Welcome to Magic Time Playoff Post Game Edition, live from St. Louis Bar and Grill, Moncton and Dieppe. We are at the Mountain Road location of St. Louis Bar and Grill. They are the wonderful sponsors of our Magic Time podcast. I'm Scott Squires. Joining me on the post game is Dave Tingley, my broadcast partner from NBLC Live Moncton Magic Games. And uh, Dave, a pretty good start to the playoffs for the Moncton Magic as a uh, not so good in the first quarter, but then they got it rolling and uh, they get the win over the St. John Riptide. Uh, 101.79, I believe yeah, it was. Yeah, that was right. I had to look. Good memory on you. For an old man. For, I know. For a man of 74. I know. For a man of 74, <laughs> my memory is pretty... It's, all, it's the Ginkgo Biloba. Oh, is that what it is? Is what does it, yes. Uh, but throw to, our, throw to our sponsor, Ginkgo Biloba. <laughs> gosh, I, I wish what we had in these glasses was actually our sponsor, but that's a story for another day. Uh, mentioned, uh, you know, kind of a, a I don't want to say a rough start, but the St. John Riptide came out, played well in the first quarter, kind of had things going their way, but Moncton slowly but surely got into a rhythm. Nick Evans worked himself back into the game. Billy White was great off the hop, but overall, uh, what were your takeaways from that game tonight? Uh, well, I mean, Billy White, I mean, he was unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, 30 points. Uh, Missed six shots all night, four for seven from three, hit his only two free throws. Um, he just he just carried it. He had 11 points in the first quarter. Nobody else had more than three when they had at least seven turnovers. I, we think, we discussed it, we think the turnover numbers are even worse than, than the stats say. <laughs> We're pretty sure they turned the ball over much more than that. I mean, it was, it was really ugly. And it was a lot to do with uh, the game plan that St. John had, and Moncton played right into it. St. John packed the paint. They were daring, daring shooters uh, to shoot from the perimeter. And even when they did get shots off, they were closing out hard, running at them. And when and when Moncton got into the lane, they tried. They were a little too cute. Tried to make some that extra pass through hands. And St. John's so good at deflecting the ball defensively and 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 creating havoc and turnovers. And early on, they were the ones that were pushing the pace a little bit. Frank Bartley didn't get much going all night, but in the open floor. He really took advantage of some magic mistakes and converted them, and that's really the only offense he got all night. But early on, that was the story, and the magic just kind of adjusted after that. Didn't turn the ball over nearly as much, took more what St. John was giving them a little bit, and most importantly of all, at least come the third quarter, really started burying them from from the perimeter. And it was a, a funny game from the standpoint of it didn't really get into any kind of definitive flow throughout. But one thing that was a constant from the opening tip right through to the end was the eventual player of the game from game one, Billy White. What a tremendous night. Uh, you know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about playoff Billy and, and how he's kind of gone into a different stratosphere. But, but what did you like most about what you saw from Billy White tonight? Most of all was, was attitude and body language. He had n- There was no negative body language at all tonight. Not one. You can't you can't think of a time when he... I mean, he was asking for some calls and was upset with maybe not getting some calls at times, like everybody, like everybody does. But there was no... Uh, slouching of the shoulders, no uh, 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 packing it in defensively where he missed a rotation because he was still bothered by what had just happened on the other end of the floor. When play, when Billy gets into this mode in playoffs, nothing else matters other than the win, and he seems to really rein that stuff in. And he did such a good job of it tonight. He was a leader. 
he was calling uh, uh, Nick Nick Evans. I think he sensed maybe Nick was a little was so hyped that he had to kind of be his counter a little bit. Called him over a couple times. It was like Nick, man, you you know remember this is how you this is how this works. This is how you get your, like you can see him kind of diagram and stuff for Nick and uh, and also uh, uh, defensively he was tremendous defensively. Billy was all night. Uh, really was intense. I mean, took fouls when he needed to, but it was really disruptive in the pick and roll a few times. Got some steals or near steals, deflections. He was amazing on both ends of the floor and with his leadership. And it was pretty neat because, you know, I, I've been referencing on the broadcasts the last few weeks that I've seen a real, a real positive change in Billy's demeanor. And not that it's not good throughout the, the regular season, but just a real change in, in his demeanor in terms of really seemed to be kind of embracing the moment and looking forward to the playoffs. You know, down the stretch in the regular season, saw glimpses of him really enjoying himself. But there was a point tonight, late in the game, where the end result was pretty much not in doubt. It was pretty clear that Moncton was going to hold on to win. But Billy hit a triple, and he just turned, faced the crowd, faced the bench, and he had the biggest, brightest... For sure, in all the years that I've seen Billy White play, going back to his Halifax days, that has to be the biggest actual smile that I well, saw on Billy's face at any point. Yeah, and I said it on the broadcast, that's the smile of a man that can't be stopped and knows it. I mean, he was in the midst of a single-handed... He had a couple of those tonight where he had this, just those single-handed runs where he was the only guy really doing any business for the Magic, and that was him in the first quarter, and he really... There was a stretch of that fourth quarter where he just knew he wasn't, knew he wasn't going to miss. And he just had that smile of a guy like, it's my game. I, I, I took this game and it's mine. And uh, you love that from a guy who's capable of that. If you're capable of that, then take a stranglehold. And, and Corey did his part in the second half where he was so quiet in the first 0 for 2. And that's like he got that look going himself in that third quarter, did Corey, and started raining him in and ended up with a double-double himself. And we should also give honorable mention uh, to one of the members of the St. John Riptide. Any number of the guys in the Riptide can step up and, and take over a game for that St. John team. But I thought tonight John Harris, he, he started to build throughout the game and, and really did some good, good things for the St. John Riptide. And for my money, he was the best player all night long for St. John. Yeah, and, and, and that's terrific. And if that if both Frank Bartley... And T.J. Maston show up on Sunday. Frank Bartley was just—he just didn't he didn't get his game off, and we'll talk about why later. A guy, an underrated, uh, kind of the, the the closet hero of the game for me for the for the Magic. But if he plays that way on Sunday, and he's got Maston and, uh, and and Bartley working working their game at a high level, then that's going to matter. But if Bartley's going to not be a factor at all, then really the the, the Riptide have no hope. He's got to be. Somewhat himself, six for I think what was he, five for sixteen, and really didn't do any playmaking either. Only three, only three assists. If he's gonna be completely shut down in that manner, St. John really doesn't stand a chance. But John Harris was great. Came out, made a couple threes. He's really struggled from the three point line since he's been in St. John and shooting the ball overall like somewhere around thirty six percent on the year. So to get him on the board with 17 big points is is big. So we'll see who else can step up on Sunday and maybe keep things close for the, for the riptide. Well, they say left-handed people are the only people in their right minds. And Billy White, the big knight, he's a southpaw lefty. John Harris as well, a southpaw draining shots with the left hand tonight. So the lefties ruled at the Avenir Center tonight, Dave. And we should also talk about St. John 
came into this game in the regular season being one of the top defensive teams in the league, and, and we knew that very easily a team or a game between Moncton and St. John could be a 81-78 game. As it turns out, Moncton gets over the century mark with 101 points. But uh, maybe just a couple of comments about the team defense that the Moncton Magic played, really befuddling St. John for most of the night and holding them to 79 points. Well, you listen to Billy White's post-game interview. I mean, we did uh, find that on social media fans. That's going to be a fun watch. I have a feeling we had a little interaction with the fans there. But um, every question that Billy answered was he just, whether it was about offense or defense or his team or the, or the Riptide, every, off, every answer was about defense. You can tell... Coach Salerno has made this about who's got the better defense, and Moncton wants to prove it's them. And, and I said it on the uh, in the interview with Billy too. St. John, yes, they 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 are the number one ranked defense in the league because they they gave up the least amount of points. But sometimes that's a factor of pace of play, and it sure is with St. John. Not that they're not strong on that end, but that pace of play certainly factors in, and Moncton's pace of play factors in. They didn't finish end up of the year the number two spot. I think they dropped to number three or four defensively, but factor in their pace of play, and that makes the difference. They're the number one team in the league in, in uh, the field goal percentage defense, both from the two and the three, and that is what you saw tonight out of the Magic. And the Moncton Magic continue their dominance on home court. Now, if you add in the regular season and the playoffs, a stellar 18-3. and three. Uh, The Avenue Center has been very friendly to the Moncton Magic, and the other kind of good thing, if you're a Moncton Magic fan, and uh, as we're here at St. Louis Bar and Grill this evening, just a few minutes ago, we were talking to Johnny Gonzalez, who does a great job with uh, Rehab Rehab One, one. looking after the players, but uh, this is probably the first time in a long time that Moncton didn't have any players not able to dress because they were in the care. Of Johnny Gonzalez at Rehab One. <laughs> yeah, he was, Johnny was bored tonight for yeah. the first time in a while. Nick Evans returned, and, and he got into the game. We'll, we'll get to Jen Trey Thomas in a minute. We should uh, talk about that as well. Yeah. But, you know, Moncton, uh, all hands on deck tonight, and that has got to be something that's going to make them feel good as well because now they've got depth and then some. We've talked about it all year, and, 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 it, and it really factored in. We said it on the broadcast tonight when the Magic really struggled down the stretch with uh, poor starts. And it just seemed like it was a game where a coach would mix and match and mix and match. Oh, all of a sudden, oh, there's the, it's like a recipe. Oh, I hit on the five person, the five ingredient mix that's going to get us on our run for this game. And you hit on something. And when you have 12 players that can play, and make no mistake about it, the Magic have 12 players that can play. There's nobody on the end of that bench that he's scared to put in. Um, guys didn't get into the game tonight. But they're not going to hang their heads. They're going to be ready to go Sunday if they're needed. Guys like Joel Andondo and Brad States, those guys can play if he needs them to. And so to have that depth to be able to mix and match and shorten your bench, as every coach does in the playoffs and coach did tonight, but to know that you can, well, if that shortened bench doesn't work, I still got three, four guys in the end of the bench that haven't played yet that I know can. So, yeah, that, that's a huge advantage, especially in a series against a team like St. John that really, really leans on their starters. And from a health perspective, everybody available. 
and we'll talk about some of the rookies that got their first professional playoff experience tonight. One of those guys that could have but didn't was Gentry Thomas, and we actually just learned a little while ago that uh, unfortunately Gentry and his family suffered a, a couple of losses uh, within a week of one another, two family members passing away. So certainly want to send out our heartfelt condolences to Gentry yeah, and his family, and uh, certainly look forward to having Gentry back on Sunday. Uh, but let's talk about a couple of those rookies that got their first playoff action tonight. Freddie McSwain Jr. didn't play a lot, but played some valuable minutes. And uh, how about the defense of Marcus Lewis? Marcus was, I mean, if Marcus was my my second pick for player of the game. You couldn't deny Billy White player of the game. But Marcus Lewis was unbelievable. Frank Bartley had an awful night. An awful night for him. I mean, Frank Bartley does not have... A lot of nights like this, six for fifteen and real or five for sixteen. Pardon me. And really, I think if I'm not mistaken, four of those five hoops, I'm almost positive were in the open court after turnovers or steals. So really, Marcus Lewis had might might have been responsible for one hoop of Frank Barley's, and to hold a guy like him down that much was unbelievable. And Marcus was incredible and contributed a little bit offensively, but really. That was just gravy, uh, his eight points, because um, he was I mean, only had a steal and, a, and no blocks. But, I mean, that just doesn't speak to the impact he had on that game. It was it was great. He set the tone in the starting lineup right off the bat. In playoffs, such a different feel. Even walking into the Avenir Center tonight and seeing the teams on the floor, you just had a different sense about the mood in the building. And, and you just never know what story is going to be written in the playoffs. And, yes, it's only early and there's only been – two days of playoffs, but of the four games, the Moncton Magic are the only home team to get a win. Kitchener-Waterloo won on the road. Sudbury tonight beat St. John's on the road, and Cape Breton won in Halifax on the road. So the Moncton Magic, as Coach Joe Salerno, recently named Coach of the Year, I might add, joins us here, and we'll get Coach to chime in in a minute, but uh, kind of an interesting anomaly with Moncton, at least through the day first two days the only home team to get a win yeah that's why five game series are so scary uh you factor in a shortened series and and i think st john being the scariest of the of the visiting teams here at least from my perspective but uh yeah but yeah a huge huge uh game for for the magic as coach salerno steps in to join us now coach this might seem like the obvious question but you just heard us talking about the kind of a strange anomaly of four games and just one home team getting the win in game one that was you guys and again the obvious question but how important was it to get game one and to get up one game to not over St. John yeah it's pretty obvious <laughs> it's a pretty obvious question it was it was really important in a five game series like you know game one is, is, is a pivotal game I mean it really is um, you know to take care of home court in a best of five is, is vital so uh, it was big it was big for us to get that win tonight There were a lot of things going on in tonight's game, and Dave and I referenced it on the broadcast, and we even had a chance to chat quickly to to Coach Taroba after the game when he was heading to the team bus. But my comment was was that it was kind of a funny game. It was entertaining, but it didn't seem to ever settle into any kind of flow. What were kind of you sensing over on the sideline as you watched this game unfold? I thought I thought we were gonna. It was gonna be a tough start for us. I, I just think with the the twelve day layoff that we had, um, you can't ever simulate true game like you know atmosphere and, and you know 
you, you, you compound that with playing a, a very physical, aggressive defensive team who defends very well. Um, you know, we just it was it took us longer to snap out of that kind of kick the rust off than what I thought it was going to. Uh, but I thought in the second half we got into a little bit of a flow. I thought I thought late third quarter into the fourth I, I thought we started flowing a little bit offensively, and um, you know that's when we kind of pulled ahead. But like I said, it was just a, a little longer than I would have thought to kick the rust off, and that comes down to like you know the defensive rebounding, our turnovers in the first quarter were awful. I mean, it just took a little longer, but uh, I think we snapped out. But I thought we played we played pretty good in the second half. Yeah, and St. John's was St. John was kind of <clears throat> against the kind of run of play. They were kind of the ones that were pushing, getting out and turning you over and pushing the ball a little bit. Yeah. Whereas really the only place that Frank Bartley got any hoops was really in the, and that speaks to the two guys that I thought really kept you in the game until you guys kind of pulled the rest of them along, which was Billy obviously, but also Marcus Lewis defensively on Frank Bartley I thought was amazing. Yeah, Marcus was really good. Wayne was pretty good on on Bartley yeah, he as was well. Great. Yeah, on the band, on you know, the we kind of have two two dogs you can just sick on on oh. a, a very good offensive player. Yeah. You know, at the on the other side of that coin, you know, Denzel Taylor, the job he did on, on TJ Mast. Yeah. And, you know, we had separate film sessions this week just with Denzel Taylor, Nick Evans, and Joel Nadondo. And we probably watched 100 to 150 post-ups from T.J. Masson over the course of the season. And we were very specific how we wanted to defend him one-on-one. And Denzel Taylor did it to a T tonight. Yeah. Uh, he was outstanding. I think as, as a whole, you know, we were pretty good defensively for, for having a bit of a layoff. Yeah, And you talk about Denzel Taylor, and we've referenced this before, but again, it never ceases to amaze me. And I saw it again tonight in that 1v1 matchup with T.J. Master, but also as well, Randy Phillips. You know, Denzel, not that he's a massive man. He's not a small guy by any means, but he's not the biggest of guys either, but he's strong. You see, Mastin was doing it, and then Phillips was doing it. They were getting in there. They were banging with him and banging with him, but Denzel doesn't give an inch. What's it like coaching a guy like that? It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you love – I've said it before, Denzel may be one of you know, my favorite players I've ever coached, uh, ever. And it's just because he, he knows his role. Um, he does so many small things, and he does them so well. And he never needs – Attention or accolades or, or you know he just he just goes out and plays and um, he is again I mean we we know this Dave certainly knows that he's he's one of the most underrated defenders in the league uh, he's as tough as they come whether he's hedging on ball screens whether he's closing out on guys whether he's guarding you in the post he can do all do it all and I, I really credit his, his college coach I mean Denzel understands how to play defense and uh, he obviously did that at, at uh, uh, Old Dominion for four years so uh, he was great. And the other thing too with with Denzel too, like he caught a he caught a, a pass on a on a on a real kind of a tough catch on a on a really nice bounce pass from Corey. Caught it, gathered, finished, took the contact. That's something he couldn't have done probably this time last year. He's really got his footwork better, and he's not not putting up huge offensive numbers. But when he gets that chance to finish, he's much more effective for you guys in yeah, that role too. You know, really the whole season he's been finishing better than last year. I think it's something that you know we talked a lot over the summer. We said Denzel, you know, you have to bring a little something to the table offensively, and you can be a very good player, a big time player in this league. And uh, I think Denzel too is with confidence when he plays with confidence, and um, he, you know, he's solid. But Denzel is is really one of the most important players on this entire roster, uh, and he has been all season. Coach, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the uh, Energizer Bunny, the electric hey, get this man his boogaloo beer, guy. Hey, uh, hey, Nick Evans. Get Coach's beer. Nick hadn't played beer. in quite some time. And, yeah, we got to get Coach's beverage over here. There's no question about it. <laughs> coach is a little, looking looking a little dry. I don't, I don't want Coach to pass out on me here. He's, he's, 
Here it comes. Oh, Mitch hey. Rowley. Good job, Mitch Rowley. There you go. Good job, Mitch, Mitch Rowley. Mitch getting on the podcast. Mitch always has my back. Right? Always has always my back. But Nick Evans, coach, you knew he was chomping at the bit to get going. He's been energetic as all outdoors. When he was injured on the sidelines, cheering you guys on, and the first few minutes that they get into the game tonight, he was—I thought he might explode. Uh, what was it like on the sideline? And what was it? What was it? That, do you know what it was? Billy White said to him because there was one sequence where Billy White kind of called him over and almost tried times, to rein actually. him in. Yeah. I don't know what, what Billy said to him. I, I have no idea actually what Billy said to him. But to, to be honest with you, I was um, pleasantly surprised with how Nick played tonight. Yeah. You know, my, I had a little concern with Nick, and if you don't know Nick Evans, it may be out of context. But I mean. He has been, he's the most energetic guy you'll probably ever meet, and he's just been dying to, to play. And, uh, you know, he started practicing again this week, and um, you've seen that energy. And, and, you know, we've been a while without Nick in that type of energy and practice. And uh, But, we, you know, we all know how important Nick can be to us, and, and we want him back in the lineup. And, uh, you know, I thought Nick was efficient tonight. I mean, yep. I don't know he was, four for six, four for seven. I think he had ten points. And, yep. 14 minutes he really didn't take any bad shots you know so I thought Nick was really good I thought it was a, it was a nice way to kind of start working him back into to the lineup yeah, he didn't miss a beat defensively either I mean it looked like he was pretty good I mean he he had kind of those when you have uh, haven't played in a while you kind of have those moments where the ball feels like an egg to you he kind of had that fumbling the ball a little bit but other than that he seemed like he was uh, pretty on the ball yeah he was I mean it's yeah. so funny though because Nick has been I mean Nick literally messages me every single day I mean <laughs> even when we're on the road and you know Nick's going above and beyond in, in his cardio like Nick is literally like running stairs at the Coliseum right like I mean he's he's going to spin classes every day like he and he does this he needs to burn that energy off um can, he we, does, do a, can we do a podcast with Nick Evans at spin class I I swear, man. Can we do that? He's been doing stuff that we haven't even asked him to do because he wanted to keep his wind up. Well, you can tell tonight it, there's nothing like a game, you know, yeah. and the game win. And he was gassed out there a little bit tonight, but uh, I think he's only going to get stronger. And, uh, no, Nick was really good for us tonight. Coach, no one knows better than you that uh, you can enjoy the moment for a moment, but you got to turn the page quickly and think about game two. You know, Dave and I were just talking about it before you came over, but, you know, a couple of players, Frank Bartley being one of them, uh, TJ Mass and another, you would expect that they will be better on Sunday. But what's going to be the message to your guys to turn the page and to focus in and to get game two and to go up to St. John leading the series 2 nothing? Because like you said, five-game series, a lot of things can happen. Yeah, just the same message that I've, I've given them since the end of the regular season, and that, and that is really be focused on exactly what is happening right now in front of us. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll watch the film. We'll get into that tonight and, and tomorrow. Um, but to me, it's I don't think we're going to be looking back and, and feeling comfortable and because we won game one. I think we're going to be focused in on game two. And, you know, we know St. John, when they can clamp you down, you know, offensively, you know, you really have to defend. You, you have to get stops. And uh, I really thought we were pretty good tonight defensively. I think, we're you know, we're going to look at what they hurt us with tonight. But I thought we executed our plan almost pretty close to a tee you know we we said guys like Harris had to beat us and uh and a Biff at the four and Phillips those guys had to kind of beat us tonight and um we did a great job on like Aussie and 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 Jeremiah Morty and Marvin Binney um we didn't let any third kind of wheel get off and have a big game you know we held Masson and Bartley in check and um you know so again it'll be a little more of the same game too but we'll find some things that we can clean up yeah you can always find things to clean up but I mean the uh Yeah, because I kind of had, when we did our pre-series podcast, I said they're going to have to find somebody to pick up 
Bartley and Maston or else it's going to be so guys like Arrington you, you talked about um, a, a Morty you know Osei uh, those guys none of them really got off so I think you know obviously the game plan was to sick like you said your two dogs on Bartley and then and then do the job on the rest of them so um, what do you, do you expect anything different from them I mean you can't overhaul everything between game one and two just because you had a 20 point loss but do you expect anything different from a smart coach like Taroba to try to counteract what happened tonight uh, I mean I think they'll find more ways to get get mast in the ball and in the position where he's a little more comfortable right, getting catches yeah. like on the left blocks where he can yeah. come middle a little more you know I was pleased tonight that we didn't have to kind of double him at all yeah. which, which was great um, you know I think if anything you know we defended well in the half court tonight maybe they'll look to try to play a little more up tempo look to yeah. push a little bit more but you know when you have guys like Marcus Lewis and Wayne McCullough and uh, and Denzel on the inside defending you know there's only so many things you can do you know at some point guys are going to have to hit and take tough shots and, and that's what we want to force them to do so um, you know we'll see he'll make some adjustments um, we'll make some adjustments but again for me if we take care of the basketball you know and um, I like the way we're playing yeah well that's what I was going to say too we haven't talked about Trey yet and Trey kind of was in another <clears throat> was back in the lineup for you know pretty good minutes those last three games but maybe hadn't played with you know Billy consistently yet because it was so how'd you feel like mixing him back in he had a tough first quarter had four turnovers but after that really kind of calmed things down yeah I think he settled back in and again yeah. I think some of that was just not being in game play yeah. you know game mode and and then all of a sudden you got a guy like Morty all over you you know and I mean Morty's one of the better on ball defenders in the league so he's gonna force some turnovers I thought Trey settled in I thought he was pretty good in the second yeah, half was, you know yeah. I thought Corey Allman played some great minutes spot yep. minutes at the one in the yep. second half yep. he distributed and when he wasn't having a great shooting night um you know we had to do that without gentry tonight so um no trey trey was good and you know i, I again I, I thought it was a fairly fairly solid game for us having some time off first game of the playoffs yeah a lot of different things can be intangibles and one of those is a crowd and the home crowd at the avenir center perhaps one of the larger crowds of the season what kind of lift did that crowd give you, especially early on, because they, they really got into it and then down the stretch as well. But what was it like to look and to see that kind of crowd at the Avenue Center? Yeah, it was great. I mean, you just love looking over at that, you know, the middle sections across the court from us. And when they're, when they're full, you know, or close to full, all the way up to uh, the rafters, it, it's a great feeling. Uh, you, you love hearing them chant, let's go magic. And, uh, it, you know, it felt before the ball went up at the tip, it felt like a playoff atmosphere. It felt like, okay, this is different than the regular season. Fans are coming out to support us, you know, and I hope that's only going to continue to build over the course of the postseason. But it was, it was great tonight, and the guys certainly commented on it, and uh, it means a lot for us. You know, we've been tough at the Avenir Center, and, and we're that much tougher when it's, there's a big crowd in there and, and they're supporting us. And maybe just a word as well, because, again, I've referenced this on podcasts with you before. You know, you like to deflect attention away from yourself. You like to give the accolades to your coaching staff, to the team, what have you. But maybe just a word about what that moment was like for you pregame, where they brought you out and acknowledged your Coach of the Year award, brought your family out, your wife and your two kids, and you got to stand at center court and listen to the crowd cheer for you. What was that like for you? It was it was really cool. I mean, it was it was great. I did. They just told me like today that that was going to happen. I didn't really know, um, but it was it was nice. It was it was funny because I was actually just kept looking at Darcy because she's not.
not used to standing in front of 2,000 people, right? She's not used to that. And, no. and you could tell she was a little uncomfortable, you know, but yeah. uh, but it was cool. You know, it's, it's great to have, you know, Cam and Alex there for that and, and get, you know, again, I've said to you before, part of the reason you do this job is, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud that my kids get to experience other things. Maybe some other kids don't. And, and it's just a really cool experience for them. And, you know, they made, uh, I don't know if you saw it today, they actually came up with magic basketball cards, like player cards. <laughs> yeah. and, and they did one of me, which, which also was a little surprising. But uh, I took each Cam and Alex a pack home today. And, man, they were just enthralled. Like, they were just the most excited you know, kids, and uh, you know, I, I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's cool that my son, you know, his dad has a basketball card. You know, I, that that that's special to me. You know, that he's he's proud of that, and uh, so it was it was nice. It was nice having them out there. And uh, actually, I think my wife just pulled in tonight. Special guest appearance, right? Do you, now, do you have a, uh, Did you get a card? I didn't get a card. Uh, I do. I don't remember the broadcast. I, I think that, I think it's going to be like a, a special insert release special later edition. on. <laughs> yeah, it's a special edition. That's the plan. That's from from what I hear. Uh, you know, you two and John. Johnny G, right? Yeah, Johnny G, and, uh, yeah, for sure. And the Mitchell ping pong card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be funny, actually. That would be funny. <laughs> but no, it was it was cool. It was it was a cool moment, and uh, you know, I appreciate the magic for for doing that. And you know, it was, it was also very cool to see uh, you know regular season championship banner raised tonight in the yeah, Avenue Center. Cool and uh, you know, I feel like Moncton basketball fans. You know, even I look at Dave. I, I think of Dave a lot when I think of Dave Tingley of Moncton basketball fans. And yeah. you guys had to struggle through some stuff for for a few years. We did. You know, and and a lot of people have stayed consistent. And, and they're big fans now, so it's it's nice for them to get to to see that and experience that a little bit. So no, it was it was a, it was a cool moment pregame tonight. And being that I'm the age that I am, and I am uh, a single. I'm going to give you time to go over and spend time with your wife now because I, I know that's probably a good thing to do because I've learned over the years, Coach. But you mentioned especially, that banner. Especially, a, especially after the, the no, comment. No, we're not going to bring the roses. Uh, no, okay, not going to talk about that's not all. Mind. No, not, never mind. Uh, bring that up again. But you mentioned the banner. Something actually, from a historical standpoint, there's some banners already in the rafters of the Avenue Center, but they were transferred over from the Coliseum. The banner that was raised tonight, which was your championship banner, is the first actual banner that was won by a team coming out of the Avenue Center. So that's kind of a neat thing as well, a bit of history for you. Yeah, it is. It's cool. And, you know, again, something to be proud of, but but also, um, you know, the regular season's over. And I think when you raise that banner tonight, it's like it's officially over, right? And, and it's yeah. something people can look back on now. That's in the past. You know, the banner we really want is, is 10 wins away. And, and, you know, that's that's the one I want to see up there. That's the one I've been wanting to see for for seven seasons now so um you know we got off to a good start tonight need to get game one in a best of five and um you know we'll certainly look to to you know continue to do that and take care of game two here on sunday so uh exciting times i think to be a a magic fan now personally i was upset that you guys had to be at because i felt the most difficult matchup in the league almost in a short series might be st john i thought i think a lot of coaches would go i don't want to i don't want to play them in a short series but then Kate Breton goes and, and, and gets Bruce Massey back for their first round series for game two. And while they're awaiting him, uh, Mr. Former MVP decides to go po- postal in his first game and, and lift Kate Breton to a win. You got to get any feelings like you're feeling sorry for Kate Halifax at this point? Or are you good with your matchup? <laughs> I've never felt sorry for Halifax a day in my life. Um, no, I'm not. But you know what? You know, I think it really was unfortunate. Um, that Bryce Washington, you know, yeah, left yeah, the yeah, riptide. Yeah, that a is big. a huge, 
it huge was. hole for them. It's a huge loss for them. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you go, you know, against a team like us, who I feel has a strong front court, you know, guys that can do different things. Um, you know, it makes it tough. So that's a big loss for them, you know. And as far as Kate Bredden getting Massey back, like either first-round matchup was going to be tough. Yeah. With Massey, without Massey, you know, Sweetney had a big second half the other and I thought he actually kind of struggled in the first he did, half. Yeah, yeah. But, um, no, you know, I think – I think either matchup was going to be tough. And not having to tr- not having to drive to Cape Breton's a bit of a relief. I was actually excited about that. As oh, it's yeah. a much shorter trip to the five hundred six <laughs> or right. to uh, to St. John. Three and four, yeah. But uh, they're they're tough, man. They're tough, and you know we can feel good for about the next hour here. Yeah. Um, but they're uh, they're tough, and they're going to be just as tough. They're going to be tough for Sunday. I mean, let's face it. You're going to start seeing teams feeling that pressure of their back against the wall. So uh, St. John's not a team that you can ever take lightly. And we certainly will not. We will not take them lightly on Sunday. We will be ready to go. Well, that's the, that's the thing that I was was saying. What a tough matchup because you can blow them out in game one. Other teams might have they might have a different attitude for game two. Saint John won't. Yeah. They'll have that same dog dog attitude for game two. We talked uh, about. We've said numerous times over the last days when I've addressed the team that you know Saint John is the one team in the league. They will always play the same way. Yeah. They will always play hard. They will always you know. Play play consistent on the defensive end. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to move the basketball, share the ball. I think they're the most consistent team in the league, and that's credit to, to Coach Terobo over there and, and their players. Well, that's what we said, Coach Terobo, when we were walking out with him. He, he commented how, look, I got a, you know, I got all kinds of young guys that just got their first playoff game out of the way, so I think we'll be a different team Sunday. So that's kind of a, a thing that uh, they got some young dudes with the first game under their belt, too. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? I mean, People forget Trey Kell's a rookie. <laughs> yeah. They forget Freddie McSwain's Freddie a rookie. McSwain. We got your own. This was Wayne McCullough's first Wayne playoff McCullough. game. McCullough, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Gentry Thomas on Sunday will be his first game. His first game. playoff game, yeah. This is only Denzel Taylor's second year. Yeah. So yeah. the whole, like, we're young, you know, like, yeah. lots of teams are young. Yeah. Um, I just know they're going to come out and play hard. They're going to play yeah. tough. And uh, we'll be ready. We'll, we'll be ready to go. We're, we're, we are really pretty dialed in right now. We're pretty focused on what we need to do. And, you know, I, I plan on doing it. Final thing for you, Coach. You know, you've been through the rigors of a regular season and a playoffs, but you know that the playoffs is a different animal. We've talked about that before as well. This is only game one of, uh, you know, hopefully 10 more wins to come to get to the championship. But what are some things that you and the coaching staff can do, not only between games, but through the course of what is hopefully a long playoff run, to kind of keep that even keel and to keep that focus and to keep guys looking not too far ahead but realizing the moment? I think doing just that, staying even keel. You know, me not getting too high or too low, I think is important for our players. You know, I think, um, you know, whether whether people believe it or not, I think coaches or players can take on kind of the demeanor of their coach at times. And the playoffs is an important time to keep a level head. You know, I said numerous times in timeouts and halftime tonight, like, they'll make a run. They'll, they'll make a 7-0 run or a 9-2 run. Like, it's going to happen. Keep our focus. Stay locked in. We know who we're trying to make beat us. We know what we're trying to take away. Just stay locked in. So I think for us, just keep reiterating confidence and just staying very even keel to our players, I think is, is really important in a series. And, you know, I'll, I'll continue to try to do that. And uh, last, last thing. I, 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 I want you, when you're talking to your dad, Joe Sr., <laughs> who I find out is actually Joe the second. Yeah. Tell him that I'm sorry for completely muddying up my explanation of Grandpa Joe, Pop Joe, and Coach Joe, I get into talking about your family coming to visit and your mom Ann being here, yeah. and then I was trying to, trying to explain the different levels of Joe, and I'm not really sure if I explained well 
which one was Grandpa Joe, which is your grandfather. He's called Papa Joe. Oh, Papa Joe. Papa Joe is my grandfather. Oh. And but but yet my kids call my father Papa Joe. So there's yeah, there's different levels. There's a lot of layers to this, but uh my grandfather is is uh is Joseph Salerno Sr., my father's junior and and I'm third. I'm the third or cubed, I think they call me sometimes back. Here. I almost feel incumbent upon myself to have to try to re-explain that on Sunday afternoon, but I don't know if I want to no, wait in there because no, 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 no. Dave went cross side when I was trying cord. to explain Pull it. But it's, it's pretty cool that, that that whole family lineage is there, and I know how important family is to you. Listen, Coach, thank you so much again for coming over and hanging out with Dave and I for a bit. Now go hang out with your wife and the rest of your coaching staff, and we are looking forward to seeing you for Sunday for Game 2. Okay, that sounds great. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Sunday. There you go, Dave, the coach, as always, coming over to hang out with us for a bit. Now he can go finish his beverage, hang out with his lovely wife, Darcy. Yeah, he and ran over there. He did. Like He like he was like the Flash. Ran out of here. I, gonna, out of here. I should go get him a little helmet with like little lightning bolts on the side because <laughs> he, was, he was just like the Flash. Well, listen, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, we're going to be back. We're going to be doing the pregame Sunday yeah, afternoon, probably around 1.30. Yeah, we are. And, of course, the broadcast will be 2 o'clock Atlantic and NBC All Live. Scott and Dave all the time. This it is. It is. That's why we have our own channel right here on uh, Spreaker <laughs> with the Magic Time Podcast. And, of course, we'll be doing the postgame on uh, Sunday as well. On behalf of Coach Joe Salerno and my broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, I'm Scott Squires. Thanks for checking out. Magic time, the post game for game one of the playoffs. The Moncton Magic have a one game to none lead in the series with the St. John Riptide after a 101 79 victory. Game two, Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock Atlantic time. Until then, my friends, remember if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now. <laughs>